Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. So, honestly, as I, as I watched this and as I, you know, scanned the news channels and, and everything else that everyone is doing to stay in, in contact with what's happening, I really see so much of this, you know, that we have learned through this series about Joseph's life as well. The unknown, the, the fear, the doubt. And so I really hope that as we finish up this series that uh, you will be able to take some of these things that we talk about today uh, to walk through this, this next season of our lives. And if you have missed it, Go to the City Hills podcast. I'm telling you, it's been an incredible, incredible series. We've heard so many great things about what's going on. And if I could go a step further and challenge you, even if you've heard it, go back and listen to it again. Every time I do, I I get some little bit more. Uh, So last week we saw that, you know, as Joseph, as Danny's been going through Joseph's life, Joseph has just had one thing after another happen to him. And being separated from his family for 20-plus years and all that went on. But he had finally caught a break, and that's where we left off yesterday. And we're going to just kind of walk through. If you're following along in your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 41 through 50, kind of in and out of there. But the thing that I really want you to, to get through this morning is what Joseph did and how he not only navigated those things which, you know, we've already talked about, but what he did when he ended up with a choice. And so that's where we start today. At the end of uh, Genesis chapter 41, we see that, you know, Joseph has been put in charge of Egypt, basically. He has been given an opportunity that is unprecedented. He had the opportunity to um, go from not knowing where his next meal was coming from to eating and dining of the best food of Egypt at the king's table, from not knowing from day to day when his life would end to what was about to happen. So we see in verse 43 that Joseph was put in charge of all of Egypt. Everything changed on a dime. I don't know if you've had those moments in your life where you're going along either for bad or for good, and in a single moment, everything changes. And that's what we want to really talk about and and the choice that Joseph is faced with. So he went from the pit and from the dungeon dungeon and the jail, jail cell to being outfitted with the best clothes that Egypt had, um, It says that Pharaoh actually gave him his signet ring. And what that really represented was he was turning over authority to him. Pharaoh basically told him there is no one with more authority in Egypt than than, except for me. So he was to say he was second in charge really doesn't quite grasp what was given to this man. I mean, he literally went from... Uh, from the jail cell to, and we're going to see it here in a minute, 
not only did he give him the best of everything and a chariot, he actually brought men to walk before Joseph's chariot, yelling out, kneel down, kneel down. Everywhere that he went, people could see the authority that was given to him. If you're following along in your notes today, I really thought about this, and, and I hope that this will kind of land with you guys as it did for me. You will never experience all the good that can come from the bad in your life until you're willing to acknowledge that God was with you in those bad times. And even more than that, refuse to try to play the role of God when things are good. Now, that's a, that's a mouthful, but I really want to just spend a moment there with you. When things are coming apart at the seams, as it seems like it's happening in our society today, we have a choice to acknowledge, to follow the path of the chaos, or to acknowledge that God is in the midst of it, and he is in control, and he can use all of those situations you're walking through and see great things come from them. But even more than that, when things turn around, as they always do, and things become great in your life, and, and you're on cloud nine, and everything is going your way, don't forget that it was God who brought you through, and don't forget that it is not because of you. It is because of his faithfulness. And if we keep that balance in both the bad and the good, we will be able to walk this life as believers with victory. So Jesus knew, his, uh, sorry, Joseph, I've got Jesus on the mind. That's a good thing, right? <laughs> Joseph knew his limitations. And what I was so impressed with him as I read back over his story is that the very first thing, in fact, the Bible says that as he left Pharaoh's presence, in other words, he was given all of this authority and he turned around and the first thing that he did was asked to be taken on a tour of Egypt. Now, this is wisdom, right? This is, this is wisdom. The only thing that Joseph knew about the land of Egypt, because remember, he was not from there. This was a foreign country to him. Um, he knew nothing about the agriculture. He knew nothing about the people. The only thing he knew about Egypt was being a servant in Potiphar's house and the jail cell. That's all he knew. So he basically asked them to take him on a tour because what God had placed in his heart to do with the interpretations that there was going to be seven years of great abundance and then seven years of famine was that he was going to start to store up during those good times and put away for when the bad came. We can all learn a lesson from that um, financially, right? And I'll just say that right here. The great times are never going to be unlimited, right? There's always going to be that famine coming. And so we, we, we would do well to, uh, to take Joseph's uh, example. And so he knew that he couldn't do this on his own. Basically, he had to learn the crops. He had to learn agriculture, the weather patterns, the roads. He had to build the infrastructure for this. It was, it was a great undertaking, and he only had seven years to do it. But God gave him the wisdom that he needed. And you'll follow, if you, again, if you're following along, I want you to remember this. God will always equip you for the dreams that he has sent for your life. In other words, if you're walking through, if, if you have a dream in your life, if you have something that you really want to do for God, 
never fear that you're going to have to figure it out on your own. God is always there. He's always going to give you exactly what you need. And if you don't have what you need for a dream that you have, then that means there's a journey in front of you. And every step of the way, he's going to be there giving you that wisdom. So for the next 14 years, as always, God's word was true. There was seven years of unprecedented abundance in in crops and what Joseph did with the wisdom that God gave him was to put start storing away um, it said a, a portion of all the crops that were grown and he started to build storehouses what we would call back in the south silos and and granaries and he put people in charge of it weighing and measuring it but it the Bible goes on to to say that it was so plentiful It was overflowing, and the people that were in charge of it just gave up. They couldn't keep track of it. It was like the sand on the seashore. It was so plentiful. So just as God said it would happen, those years of abundance came to an end. And we see in Genesis 41, verses 53 through 57, it says, They came to an end, and the seven years of famine began. And the Egyptians watched they didn't know what to do when they just, they watched not knowing exactly what was going on, even though they were told it was coming, as crop after crop started to fail and they started to starve. What they didn't know was that Joseph had put away grain and that there would be plenty. Not only was this happening in Egypt, but it was happening in the countries around them. And No one knew what Joseph had been up to. No one understood that he had been saving up for just this time. So the people from the surrounding lands also started to come to buy grain because when the Egyptians started to starve, they went to Pharaoh and said, hey, we don't know what's going on here, but we're starving to death. We've gone through all of our storehouses. What are you going to do? And he sent them to Joseph because he was second in command. And so that started to happen. It started to get around to the other countries as well. But guess who also started to to starve? Yeah, Joseph's brothers and his family back in the land of Canaan. And Jacob, this is so funny. I always laugh when people say, oh, the Bible's so boring. The Bible's got some pretty hysterical things in there. Here is Jacob, this older man, and he looks at his, his, at his sons and he said, um, can you guys stop just standing around looking at each other? There's grain to be bought in Egypt. Go and buy some for us before we starve to death. So chapter 42, verse 6 says, since Joseph was in charge of, this, of the sale of grain, It was to him that the brothers would have to come. Now understand, the brothers threw him in this pit 20-odd years ago. In their minds, Joseph was dead. He was gone. He was long gone. He was a done deal. Never in their wildest imagination did they think that they would be standing in front of Joseph the day they went to buy grain. Never in their wildest imagination Could they have imagined that that was what was going to happen? So many times in our lives, the people that have hurt us the most are the people who will turn around and need us again one day. And in your notes, it says one of the most courageous things that we may ever do is to choose to forgive those people who have hurt us the most. Now, I don't know 
I think that I'm pretty solid in saying all of us have had hurts. All of us have had someone that has let us down. Some of those hurts and some of that pain is deeper than others. Some of those wounds go really deep. Um, Maybe not everyone has had a situation where they've had someone kind of come around and need their help, but I have. I have had some of the people that, because you know it hurts the most when it's someone that's close to you, right? I've had those people that have talked about me, lied about me, said the, just the most horrendous things to me. People that um, I have loved deeply, those are the ones that sting the most. They stay the longest. But I have had them come back around when all their life has become a shamble, and they've come back, and, and Mary, I, I need you. I need you to pray. I need you to stand in for me. I don't know what I'm going to do. And in that moment, you and I have a choice, and so did Joseph. So we're going to see what Joseph uh, chose. So when the brothers stood in front of Joseph, he was dressed like an Egyptian. So I want you to understand this. They were Israelites, and they looked completely different in culture and dress and talk and language than, uh, than Joseph. He was dressed like an Egyptian. He spoke like an Egyptian. Yes, that song kept going through my head, walk like an Egyptian. I know, it's in my head as well. But there was no way that, there, that his brothers could uh, recognize him. But the Bible says um, in Genesis 42 and 7, Joseph recognized them instantly. He knew exactly who they were, but he pretended to be a stranger. So it goes on to say that he was harsh with them as, at first, demanding to know who they were and where they were from. Of course, he knew what he was trying to get at was he wanted to know about his brother Benjamin. That was the one that was closest to him, and he wanted to know about his father. And in that moment, Joseph remembered the dreams that he had had so many years ago. Because you see, because he was in a position of authority, when they came into his presence, they had to bow. For those of you who have been with us from the beginning of that series, you remember that's what got Joseph in trouble to begin with. He was his father's favorite, but more than that, he had these two dreams that he felt compelled to share with the family that one day they would bow before him. In that moment, he realized that that dream that he had had as a 17-year-old boy was about to happen. He remembered what God had shown him, and he realized more than just that. It was more than just watching that dream come true. What he realized was that there was a reason for what he had been through. He had seen his family bowing before him, and right now, as it happened, he started to realize there was a bigger reason for all that had happened. Just because you are facing a challenge does not mean that God has changed the way he feels about you. You see, Joseph, in the midst of that, he had to realize you know, and that's the theme that, that we've been talking about through this series. What would your life be like? How different would it be if you were convinced completely that God was for you and that he was with you? So going on with, with what we have in our notes, just because you're facing a challenge, and when I wrote that, 
the, the last couple of weeks in preparation, I really felt that there was someone here this morning that was going to need that. Because, you know, so many times we dream and we feel God's presence and we feel um, that there's something that he has for us, and then everything goes wrong. And you start to think, well, there's, there's got to be something wrong with me. The truth is, just because you are starting to face the challenge doesn't mean that God has changed his mind or changed the way he feels about you. Those challenges are not failures. They are not punishment. They're opportunities. And so that is something for us to really grasp as we walk through the season that we're in right now. We have, Bud and I have been kind of open books about, you know, um, what our life was like leading up to uh, moving to California. Um, but the thing that really came clear to me is, you know, we had a dream. We, we, we gave our, our lives over to the Lord when we were 16 and 17, got married a year after that. And um, pretty much immediately, we felt that we wanted to do ministry. And, you know, missionary work more specifically. We've been to Africa and Honduras and different places around the U.S. And God has blessed us greatly. But, you know, life got in the way. And we had to work for a living. I mean, you know, what is that about? And so we got into the restaurant business with our family and, and grounded out, you know, just grinded away at that for 30-plus years, all the while dreaming of doing full-time ministry. And let me tell you something. In the two or three years leading up to selling everything and moving here to California to do um, all of this ministry stuff with Annie and Lauren, you would have thought the dream was absolutely dead because everything that could go wrong went wrong. I mean, it bottomed out. There were times we didn't think we were going to make it, much less be able to do anything for God. It, it was unbelievably hard. So I can see ourselves in that, in that story of Joseph, and maybe you can too as we've been going through this series. Maybe right now you're sitting here saying, I know what I want to do for God, but right now, nothing is going right. Everything is falling apart. Just remember, it doesn't mean God has changed his mind. Just hang on. So let me ask you, what are those dreams that are locked in your heart this morning as you hear about this? What are those things that, you know, it may not be missionary work. It may be that you are going to create something or, or start something that is going to change the world. Maybe like Joseph, God will give you the means and, and the wisdom to create something that would bring peace to the world. Who knows? God has got such great things for each and every one of us. We can't even begin to imagine what he has for us. What will you create? What will you do that will change the world around you? But the other question that I really feel that we're faced with this morning is, what are we going to do with those feelings of unforgiveness for those people who have hurt us, that have tried to keep those dreams from happening, that have laughed at our dreams and tried to kill them? Genesis 42 goes on to explain how Joseph dealt with this. So he put his brothers through a series of tests. All of this really had more to do with um, getting his brother Benjamin there and finding out about his, his father Jacob than getting revenge. 
He actually even temporarily put them in prison. That one I think he just liked and did that on his own, but that's just me. They, he, he demanded that they bring his younger brother back to him, and when he couldn't take it anymore, we're still in chapter 42, verses 21 through 24, the brothers started to speak openly in front of him because up to this point, again, they had no idea who he was, and he talked to them through an interpreter. So they figured they could speak in their own language in front of him because he wasn't going to understand anyway. Everything was starting to fall apart for them, and they were frightened for their lives from this great man of authority. And so they started saying to each other, this is your fault, this is your fault, this is because we did this to Joseph, we threw him in that pit, we saw his anguish, we saw his fear, we heard his cries, and we ignored it. Because we killed him, this is happening to us. And the Bible says that Joseph couldn't take it anymore, and he left the room and found a place where he could cry out loud. All of it came rushing back to him. The pain, the fear, the loneliness, the being separated from his family. But Joseph was faced with a choice. It would have been so easy to have his brothers killed. First of all, he was in a position of authority, and no one would have questioned it at all. But secondly, even if they knew what the brothers had done, he would have been justified in holding on to that. Here they were, tables turned, there before him, cowering in fear. He had a choice. He had every reason to take their lives. Genesis 45, 1 through 15, we see what happens, and we'll go through this very quickly. It says, Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he sent out all the attendants, get out, get out, so that he could be alone with his brothers. And in their language, he started to speak these words. Can you just picture this? I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold to slavery. I mean, just utter, in fact, the Bible says it, 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 they, they were stunned stunned speechless. They had no idea that this was who they were in front of and speaking to. They wouldn't answer him. He was like, is my father alive? They couldn't answer him. They couldn't even speak. So he brought them closer and he said, please come closer. Listen, I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into slavery in Egypt. But check out verse 5. He told him, he said, but don't be upset. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for the last two years, it's going to continue for another five, and you're not going to make it. Go quickly. Tell my father that I've been put in this position of authority and that if you will come to me, you, your families, your livestock, I will set you up in the land of Goshen, and I will take care of you. I will be able to watch over you and make sure that you live. Can you imagine what was going through their minds? If you, like me, have been in that position where someone that has despitefully used you and hurt you had to come back to you for help, there's that moment of, you know, we go. But the moment that you start to say, 
I forgive you. I'm not going to hold on to this offense. I am going to bring you, and I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to pray for you. Whatever it is that that person needs, they're stunned speechless because they don't expect it. Verse uh, 14 says, weeping with joy because they had brought Benjamin to him. He embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. And verse 15 says, and Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. You see, for Joseph, looking back at the pit, being lied about, thrown unjustly into jail, forgotten about for years, hundreds of miles away from his family and everyone that he knew, assuming that he would never see them again, all of it became very clear. God was able to leverage all that had happened to accomplish several things. I really want this to land with you today. God loves you in such a personal way that whatever it is that you are desiring personally, and for Joseph that was to be reunited with his family, he will do that because he loves you. He will find a way to meet those needs of your heart. But let me tell you something that I've known about God after walking with him for many years. It's never only about you. It is always also about who you can help as well. And God had a grand plan. You see, God had promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. Yeah, that song goes through my head too. But if Joseph had not been thrown into that pit, he would not have been in Egypt. And if he had not been in Egypt, he would not have been sold to Potiphar. And if he wasn't sold to Potiphar, he wouldn't have been lied about. And if he hadn't been lied about, he hadn't gone to jail. And you see where I'm going. If he hadn't gone to jail, he wouldn't have met the cupbearer and ended up in the presence of Pharaoh and in the position that he had. What does all that mean to me, Mary? You're walking through your life right now. And aside from all that's going on in the world, just your normal life. And you're saying, I don't understand. I want to do this. I want, I want this to happen for me. But this has happened, and this is going on. But you see, because that has happened, because you got that job, and because you met that person, and because that person brought you to this church, and you can start to see where God is using step-by-step in your journey to bring you where he wants you to be. Why? To give you the desires of your heart, but also so that you can give to others. So that you could be used. And, and let me show you what he did. This is, this is so amazing. If Joseph had not gone through all that he did and brought salvation, not only to the Egyptians by bringing all of those things into the storehouse, he was able to bring, um, he was able to keep and preserve also his people, the Israelites. Why? Because God had promised that, he, that, that Abraham would be the father of many nations, and there was a plan for Israel. There was a plan for all of that, not only for Joseph's life, but also for this nation. Joseph realized in that moment that God had intended for him to be the one in charge of the grain. Why? So that he would meet his brothers. And that by meeting his brothers again, he could bring peace and and prosperity into the world. 
But more than that, and I, I believe this with everything in me, Joseph needed to, to confront his brothers and find a place of forgiveness. And I want to talk a little bit more about that as, as we start to wrap things up this morning. It takes a courageous person to forgive. Because let me tell you something, it's not easy. I've always said it to people, it's not natural for us to forgive. When we've been hurt, it is natural for us to want to retaliate. It really is a supernatural thing that comes from God. When we are given the opportunity to take revenge, we have a choice. But instead of taking revenge, we can do the supernatural through God's help. We can do the extraordinary. As believers, we can forgive as we have been forgiven. And that is not something that's easy to do. When we decided to turn our lives over to God, what we basically did was acknowledge that he paid for something we never could have. There was a debt against us that we could, there was no way for us to pay. And he took that upon himself. And so when someone has hurt you, when someone has maligned you, when someone has spoken ill of you, there's a debt there. But what happens so many times is that we take on that debt. It's like taking on a huge, bulky backpack and walking through your life with it. We feel that if we do that, if we don't forgive, that somehow we're in control, right? We're in control of it. But God never intended for us to live that way. Friends, God never intended for us to carry that debt, not our own and not from other people. So I really want to talk about that for just a few more minutes, but we're going to finish up our story. In Genesis 50, 14 through 21, we see that Jacob, the boy's father's father, has died. And so the brothers, they're a crafty bunch. They said, you know, it was probably only because dad was still alive that uh, Joseph brought us in and took care of us all of these years. He's gone now. So we're going to go to Joseph, and we're going to bow down before him, and we're going to say, hey, listen, before dad died, he told us to tell you that you needed to forgive us. And um, we are going to be your servants. And, and they, they put themselves before him. And listen to what Joseph told him in, in verse 19. He said, don't be afraid, for am I in the place of God? And I think this is so important for us to understand. Because if we hold on to that debt of forgiveness and other hurt that people have done to us, we stand in that place of God as judge, and we can't. One, we were never meant to, and two, it's just not fair. There's no way for us to do it. So he went on to say, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones, and he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What is so important, and I, and I missed it for, on purpose for a second, and I want to go back to it because it's so important. In verse 19, I want it to really stand out to you. He said, don't be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. 
And if you've been in the church world for a while, you've heard those verses before, and maybe because you've heard them before, they kind of lost their meaning, but I really want to bring that clear to you this morning. The things that people have done to hurt us in the past, they've meant it for evil, but God can turn it around for good. Why? Because he loves us. Because he wants to take that debt that we're carrying on us and take it off of us and lay it at his feet. Forgiveness, I want you to picture it in your mind's eye. I'm such a visual person, and and it really meant something to me to really just kind of think about forgiveness is a release. My my girls, my, my granddaughters love helium balloons. To the detriment of everyone in the house, they love helium balloons. They fight over them. They but but they are a couple of hours of entertainment, something to remember while the kids are all home this week. But they they love to release them in the parts of the house that Mimi can't get anywhere near, like the highest part of the second floor. They love to release them, and that's what I thought about this week as I watched them play with those balloons. Forgiveness is a release. It's a, it's a release. It releases us from the harm of the past, and it allows us to look to the future with hope. And some of you are, are sitting here this morning, and this is maybe landing with you, and others are saying, I don't think I have unforgiveness in my heart. I think sometimes we live with it for so long, we don't even realize that it's there. And what we have been praying as a church in preparation for this this morning is that not to bring up all of those things, but to just bring them up to give them to God. According to an article that I was reading, because um, uh, in our city group we, we talked about this a lot, um, John Hopkins' uh, article says, forgiveness actually calms stress levels leading to better health. Now, I love science, and, you know, Bud is a science geek. He loves that, that kind of stuff. But honestly, what I have found is that it doesn't tell me more than the Word of God does. It only affirms it. And the word of God says that as we release, as we give over those things that have been harming us and holding us back, it actually starts to affect our mind. And the thing that I want to tell you about unforgiveness as well is that even if you're not able to see it on a day-to-day basis, it's happening. It starts to erode everything in your life. It starts to eat away at the trust of even those people who love you dearly. And it starts to hurt our bodies as well. In his book, The Traveler's Gift, um, one of my favorite authors, Andy Andrews, says this. Those who are critical of my goals and dreams simply do not understand the higher purpose to which I have been called. You have been called to so much more than you can imagine. And those people who say things about you in the past or, or, or now... They just don't understand what you've been called to. He goes on to say, therefore, their scorn does not affect my attitude or action. I forgive their lack of vision, and I forge ahead. I now know that criticism is part of the price paid for leaping past mediocrity. God has got some incredible things in in store for you. They've been stored up. Like, those, like the grains in Joseph's story, more to abundance, more than you can imagine. But we need to release. 
The Greek word for forgiveness literally means to let go. But one of the things that I have learned and you will learn if you have not already is forgiveness will cost you something. Although it's necessary, it's going to come at a great price because we will have to bring those things to God and lay them at his feet. Forgiveness means letting go of the anger, the bitterness, and the hatred. Honestly, it feels good in the moment, like I talked about earlier. It feels like you're in control of someone who hurt you. And sometimes the people that have hurt us, they don't deserve the forgiveness that we're offering them. Sometimes, most times, they don't even ask for it. You know what I have learned? Sometimes they don't even have any idea they hurt us. Honestly, they really don't. We're at home going over in our heads over and over what I'm going to say to them when I see them next and they have no idea they hurt you. But for those people that know they hurt you, they know they did, the ones that maybe like Joseph's brother had to come back and face them, we have a choice to make in that moment. And the only other thing that I really wanted to get across this morning to you is that sometimes it's ourselves that we need to forgive, right? We've messed up. We're, we have sort of a pattern of things in our lives that we just kind of keep getting caught up in. We need to forgive ourselves. We need to let it go. We need to turn it over to God. The God of the universe, the one who created all of these things, he did not wait for us to try to fix it ourselves because we can't. And some of that pain that's deep down from childhood and beyond, we don't know what to do with that either. But he does. He does. He knows exactly what to do. And those people that have hurt us may never ask for our forgiveness. But like Joseph said, we don't stand as their judge. We turn it over to the one who will take care of all of it. Romans 5 and 8 tells us, for whenever we feel that, okay, I just have to try harder and I need to do better. And, you know, he says that he offered that forgiveness when we were still sinners. We were, we were powerless to do anything on our own. And sometimes when we have those things in our lives that we need to, to, to give to God and forgive, we feel powerless over them. But there is one who can take it because he is able to he is greater than it. He is greater than the pain. He's greater than the separation. He's greater than the hurts. And he can heal it. And he can do the miraculous in your life. Even Jesus said it in the Gospels. He said, if you're standing and praying and you remember that you've done something or someone has done something to you, put down your gift of whatever it is that you have and go and make it right. Why? Because Jesus knew we were not built to carry that unforgiveness. We were not built physically, mentally, or emotionally to carry that. I'm going to ask you to stand and pray with me this morning. What is it that you need to let go of in this moment? Let's just bow our heads and let's just talk to God for a few minutes. What is it that has been plaguing your life? What unforgiveness is just 
planted itself so deep and, and rooted itself so deep inside of your heart that it colors everything that you do. Will you give it to God this morning? Will you let it go? Will you release it? Would you release it this morning? Would you put down that heavy pack that you've been carrying of hurt and bitterness? Would you allow your creator, the savior of your soul, to just heal that this morning? Father, in this moment, we stand before you with hands lifted up and we release it, Father. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would replace that hurt and that pain and that bitterness with love, with peace, with joy, with forgiveness. Father, we lay it at your feet this morning and we praise you and we thank you for the life and the love and the peace that you will replace it with. Father, we grant freedom to those who have hurt us as you have granted us freedom. We lay it down before you. This morning, Lord, I pray for your people. I pray that today their lives would be different, that they will know that there is a God who is big enough, strong enough, and powerful enough, but more than that, God that loves us enough to take this from us. Father, we release it. We release it in your name. I pray for your people this morning as they go back out this week, Father, in the chaos that has ensued in our society. And Father, let them feel your peace. Let them feel, Lord God, your love, and let them be your love and your peace. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for these people. We thank you for their hearts, the love that they have for each other and for this church and for you. Father, we pray for their families, for protection, Lord God. We pray, Heavenly Father, for provision. Father, that we will hear testimony after testimony of what you have done in their lives through all that's going on in our world right now and the people that they have helped. Father, we praise you and we give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' strong name, amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.